Well, don't go just yet, but soon go and be the church. Uh, hope you're all doing well. Uh, if you have a Bible, Matthew chapter 4 is where we're going to start um, today. So open a Bible there. If you've got one, turn it on there. Um, you can follow along on screen um, on, our, on our app. I think the app is working today. I think last week the app wasn't working, but that wasn't on our end. It was on somebody else's end. Um, but we're going to jump around a ton. I'm going a bunch of different places today. This is one of those ADD sermons, uh, just kind of throwing some different things in there uh, because we're starting a brand new series uh, called House Party. And in this series, um, we're going to celebrate the goodness, the provision, the protection um, of God. And um, when we start series, a lot of times um, when we start them out, especially a series like this where we're really going to be talking about um, a few different things. Um, it's hard to kick it off. It's hard to figure out how to, how to start the series and, and kind of put together some thoughts and, and know where we want to land it um, in several weeks. But the first week is always um, difficult. Um, and so today, I felt like I'd start out by um, just kind of talking about something that I think most of us can relate to on a certain level. Um, and it's kind of confession time for me, um, but this is really the way I want to open the sermon today. Um, here we go. I love steak. I do. And if you don't like steak, um, you're weird. I don't, you, you just are. Somebody always will say, but pastor, I'm a vegan. Cool. More for me. Like, I, that's, that's awesome. It's perfect. Now, I haven't always loved steak. I, I haven't. In fact, when I was a kid, we hardly ever had steak, and when we did, it was super tough, and it was super burnt. Um, my mom isn't here today, so I can, I can say this. Um, she came a few weeks ago. That was the first time my mom has ever sat through an entire message that I preached, and it was kind of crazy, but it was, but it was way cool. Um, but it was super tough, it was super burnt, and you had to, like, drown it in A1 and ketchup just to get it to slide down your throat. You know what I'm talking about? And then one day, um, I was in like seventh grade. I went to a restaurant with um, a friend, and everybody ordered steak. And the waiter asked me how I wanted steak. I literally said with ketchup. Like, that's what I said, with ketchup. Like, I didn't know. Like, I didn't know that there were different degrees, different temperatures, different ways that you could have steak. And the dad said, you want it medium rare, Ryan. I'm like, okay. And they brought out this massive steak, and I cut into it, and it started mooing. And I'm like, ah, oh, this isn't like any steak you're supposed to eat. I reached over. This is a true story. I reached over to grab some A1, and the dad about cut my hand off with his knife. He said, boy, don't you ruin that steak. Like, don't you dare. I was like, but at home, we just put ketchup. And, and he's like, just try it. I put it in my, in my mouth, and it just exploded with juice. I was hooked. That moment changed my life. I love steak. Now, I've had some great steak experiences in restaurants. Anybody else? Like, I've had, I've had some great, great, great steak experiences. The best steak I've ever had in a restaurant setting um, was at a place called St. Elmo's Steakhouse in Indianapolis. Um, if you're ever in Indianapolis and you've got a few hours to kill, um, go check that place out. However, I will warn you, it is also the most expensive steak I've ever had in my life. You say, how much did it cost? You don't even want to know. Like, like uh, we got, <laughs> this is, uh, I don't, uh, see, I'm off the rails already a little bit this morning. We got, what was it, like a $250 gift card to go to this place? $250 gift card to go. 
And so Mary and I thought, well, sweet, we've never been to St. Elmo's, so we're going to go to St. Elmo's, and we can go here a few times. Um, we ended up paying like $72 on top of that for the two of us to eat. It's cr- when you go to a place and the, there's no prices on the menu, everything says market price, e- either leave immediately or understand you're about to go broke over the meal. All right, so that's, that's kind of it. But it was awesome. I had an incredible steak. I've told you the story in Italy. That's where I learned that there's a such thing as four finger steaks um another life-changing moment i love 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 steak however i haven't always had great steak experiences i remember going to a restaurant one time and i had to send the steak back three times because it was wasn't cooked right and then i didn't even eat it because everybody joked at the table what they were doing to my steak every time it went back into the kitchen and i remember buying walmart steak once one time one time like that's all it takes right so so great steak experiences bad steak experiences i could talk about this all morning long. But you say, what does this have to do with Jesus and the church? Well, we can kind of take that, that metaphor, that illustration, and push it out a little bit. I love church as well. I, I do. I, I really do love church. And, and I'm pretty certain that if I wasn't pastoring, I would still love it. I would still love being a part of it. Now, I haven't always had, or I haven't always loved church. Like when I was a kid, My mom took me to a really, 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 really boring church. I mean, the guy would be up there, and he would be talking, and I would be like, if there is a God, please take me now, because this is awful. This is the worst thing I've ever sat through in my entire life. I hated it. I hated every second of having to go to church. Um, We moved from from Ohio to Indiana. Um, My mom couldn't find a, a church that she really liked, and so we didn't really have to go anymore after that. So when I started high school, didn't really ever have to go to church, and so um, for, for years and years, I didn't go. Then I became a Christian, and when I became a Christian, I started going to some different types of churches. And I've had um, kind, of, kind of a mixed bag of church experiences. Um, when I got saved, I started going to a non-denominational church. I went to a Baptist Bible college, um, became like heavily Reformed Baptist, um, went through Baptist um, seminary classes, did all of that stuff, but, but I've been to all kinds of different churches, lots of different types of churches. I've seen a lot of different things, and I'm sure that you probably have been to a lot of different types of churches and seen a lot of different environments as well, and every one of us in here has more than likely had some good experiences at church, right? Because, because if not, I mean, you probably wouldn't be here today if you didn't have at least one or two good experiences. But most of us, actually most of us more likely, have had some negative church experiences, some bad experiences at church. But just like I don't hate steak because I had some bad steak experiences, I don't hate church because I've had some bad church experiences. Does that make sense? Like, I, I, I love church, and I still believe that the local church, w- when it's running right, and they have Jesus at the center, can be used by Jesus to bring about change in people, change in communities, change in the world, because Jesus really is the hope of the world. Amen? 
And, and, and so when I'm talking about church and, and when we start talking about our church and we start talking about what happens at Central, all of these mental images come through in our mind. And, and we're always thinking like, well, what, what is church and, and what, is, what does this church stand for and, and what do we believe and, and what are we going to do and what do we think about this and what do we think about that and how are we going to move in this situation? And so today... Again, just to kind of kick off this series, um, I want to share with you five things that I really want for us. Now, notice I didn't say you, because I'm in this with you. I really am. These are five things that I really want to see for our church. Now, this is why I'm excited about this message, um, because I believe this is going to help some people say, hey, this is the place for me. And it might help some other people say, well, you know what? Um, I love what you're doing here. Do some great things in our community, um, but this probably not the best place for me. As a matter of fact, um, my goal originally was to call this message Nacho Church and have like a big nacho bar outside, and like every time we went through a point, we eat nachos together. Um, that maybe we'll do that sometime in the future. Um, but listen, either way is okay because at the end of the day, I love my church. I love what we're doing here. Um, I love the leadership team. I love the staff, and we're going to keep doing church the way that we do church. And so let me share with you five things I want for everyone that walks in the doors of Central Church or even watches us online. All right, here we go. Number one, I want this to be a place where you're accepted as you are, not how others want you to be. I, I want that. I, I really do. And I don't want that just for me. I want that for everybody in the room. Because every one of us has had to pretend to be something or someone else at some point in our life, right? We've, we've had to act a different way or we've purposely acted a different way to get away with something. For, for example, years ago, um, a friend of mine, um, we went to um, the NCAA uh, basketball tournament in Indianapolis, and uh, we had <laughs> we had session passes on these lanyards. You know what I'm talking about? So get the lanyard, little session pass. Now, <laughs> what I'm about to tell you, th th this this is a no judging church, okay? What I'm about to tell you, I know is wrong. I know a hundred percent it was wrong. I've done some dumb things in my life. I tell you these stories not to brag. Um, I tell them so you'll learn from my stupidity, okay? So, you know, it's not what would Jesus do. You know how you could be successful in life? Ask yourself what would Ryan do and then do the opposite. And that would be like you're going to be pretty good. Anyway, um, we were walking around um, in between sessions, and we walked past this room that said media only. You looked inside the room, and there were tables and tables and tables of food. It looked like the buffet that was described in the book of Revelation. And so immediately, I thought that God had just, like, directed us to this room. But we didn't have media passes. However, I discovered if we turned our session pass around backwards, it looked just like the media pass. And so I thought, let's just walk in. I know. I'm probably going to hell. Like, I, I, I know. I, I got it. I understand. Um, but I turned the pass around, and we walked in, and we enjoyed some <laughs> incredible food. But the whole time, the whole time, like, the Holy Spirit is, like, just convicting me. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, if they discover what's on the other side of here, they're going to kick us out, and we're going to get in a lot of trouble. Have you ever felt that way at church? Have you? See, I, I want this to be a place where you can show up no matter what happened 5, 10, 15 years ago or last night. I want this to be a place where you can come in and you don't have to think, if they discover who I really am, they're going to kick me out. 
Because I believe at the end of the day, like, like until who you are really comes to the surface, you're not really living. Now, that doesn't mean you can live however you want. We, we don't endorse sin here at Central. But we want this to be a place where it's okay to not be okay. And you understand that. But you also understand it's not okay to stay that way. Um, l- let me explain it like this. Because Jesus was, was all about this. Jesus was all about meeting people right where they were in the moment. Um, if you've ever been to church or Sunday school or Bible school, you've probably heard this story, um, but I want you to see it from a different lens. Matthew writes this, Matthew chapter 4, verse 18. One day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew. So you've got Peter and Andrew. Peter and Andrew throwing a net into the water, for they fish for a living. Jesus called out to them, come follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once. And followed him. Now, now here's what's remarkable. Matthew doesn't say that Jesus is walking along and he saw Peter and Andrew in a Bible study. No. Doesn't say he saw Peter and Andrew singing some worship songs. No. He saw Peter and Andrew, normal people, doing normal things. And when Jesus saw them, he said, hey, I want you right now, just as you are. No changes. Just, just get up. Come and follow me. See, the message of religion is change and you can follow Jesus. The message of Jesus is follow me and you'll change. And, and, and I know this is where some people, like, we lose sight of how awesome this is because we really start looking at other people and we play the comparison game. We'll look at other people and we'll say, well, you know, I'm just, I'm just not as gifted as other people. And I'm just, I'm just really not that special. I'm not that gifted. Do, do you know how special you are? We, we talked about this months ago. The odds of being human, one in 400 trillion, right? One in 400 trillion. If your dad wouldn't have had that extra beer, you might not be here, all right? Th- think about that. Or don't think about that. Some of you don't, don't want to think about it. I don't know. You're a human being. You could have been a tree. You could have been a worm. You know what I'm saying? But, but you were created In the image of God, that means he has a plan. He has a purpose for your life. It means, listen, I don't know whoever told you that you weren't special, but according to the scripture, you are special because God made you in his image, period. Well, Ryan, you don't know what I've done. No, but I know what he's done, and what he's done is greater than what we've done. And because of what he's done is greater than what we've done, I'm going to go with what he's done over what we've done every single time. Amen? Now, it gets better, because the, the guy who wrote this was a tax collector, and I know we've talked about this before, but I'm going to talk about this till the day I die, because when I discovered this for the first time, it just absolutely blew my mind. We don't have the equivalent to what a tax collector um, 2,000 years ago, we don't, we don't have that today. In Jewish culture 2,000 years ago, if you were a tax collector, it was the worst of the worst of the worst. There were sinners and then there were tax collectors. Like, I, I honestly can't even really wrap my mind around what that was really like. But the Bible makes two clear distinctions of sinners and then tax collectors. Like, tax collectors weren't even able to be called sinners. That's how horrible they were. And so I can't even emphasize how bad tax collectors were. And so with that in mind, let's look at this next verse. Matthew writes this in chapter 9, verse 9. As Jesus was walking along... He saw a man named Matthew. In other words, he's saying, he saw me. He, he's, he saw me. Like, this is, he's saying, this is my story. 
This is my conversion moment. As he was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. Now, the the original audience, when they read this, this was scandalous. Because don't miss this. Jesus caught Matthew in the act. Remember when you were a teenager and your mom got home early? And she wasn't supposed to come home early and you got caught in the act? We shouldn't talk about that in church, right? (laughs) Maybe some kids in here. But Matthew, like legit, caught in the act. Now you would expect, because of what religion tells us, that Jesus would have said, stop it, knock it off, you're wrong, fix it, get things right. But what does Jesus do? What does Jesus do to one of the worst sinners on the planet? According to Jewish culture, one of the worst sinners on the planet. This is what Jesus says, follow me. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up and followed him. That's it. Jesus said, hey, I want you right now. Jesus could have said, hey, Matthew, you need to knock it off. Quit, t- quit collecting taxes. Start reading the Torah. Get that thing memorized, man. No, 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 no. No conditions. None. Not a single condition. Jesus is like, right now, as you are, follow me. And, th- and then the rest of it is, and eventually, eventually, You'll become who you need to be because of me. So for those of you who think that you've got to bring a safe, sanitized, fake version of you to Jesus, that's one of the things he's trying to work out of all of us. Who are you? Who are you? Who are you, really, at the end of the day? Because we can't be fully loved until we're fully known. And I want this to be a place where you can walk in after a weekend where you just had an incredible time and... I want this to be a place where you can walk in with the worst hangover ever. And you're still loved. And you're still accepted. And you're still invited to follow a man named Jesus who eventually gets us all to where we need to be. And by the way, if you come in here with a bad hangover, we're going to sit you right here. Right then the speaker just hit you just all crazy. We'll, we'll work that out of you. anyway let's go on now let me point this out before we move on this is huge I want you to notice this Jesus didn't call Matthew out he drew Matthew in like to me that's huge he didn't call Matthew out he drew Matthew in have you ever met somebody that felt like they had to call everything out in you you ever met that person don't you just love them (laughs) I'm with you. They call you for lunch, and you know it's because they want to call something out. Uh, Brother, I've got some concern. No, you don't, because you only call me when you want to tell me that I suck. You have no concern for me at all. Anyway, another message for another time, but I just needed to point out that, that Jesus drew Matthew in. I love that. All right, number two, I want this to be a place where we can grow in our walk with Jesus at his pace and not somebody else's. I want this to be a place where we can grow in our walk with Jesus at his pace and not someone else's. I I want everybody, myself included, to grow in our walk with Jesus. But do you know that every single one of us run at a different pace? Every one of us. Some of you are saying, I don't run at all. I know, I'm with you. I don't don't run. Um, But all of us go, all of us grow at a different pace. We, We really do. 
There's no set formula. There's no set like in two weeks you should be here, in five weeks you should be here, in six years you should be here, in ten years you should be here. We all grow at a different pace. And you know what? That's okay. L- listen, l- l- let me set this up like this. <laughs> there are smart people in this world. And then there are people like me. I'll put it this way. Um, there are people that can play Jeopardy, and then there are people who play Wheel of Fortune. All right. Are you with me? Jeopardy people, all right? Like, I'm not like you. I'm not even going to ask who to raise their hands for either one of these. But I just know Jeopardy people, like, I'm not like you. Jeopardy people are like, I will take National Marine Sanctuary for a 1,000, Alex. Right? And they're like, I don't even know what that's going to be. Wheel of Fortune people are like, I'd like a W. Well, there are seven of them. <laughs> I'd like to buy a vowel. I'll take a six. <laughs> like, I, I, that's, that's me. <laughs> like, for real. Like, that's it. You are never, ever, 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 ever going to leave here and say, man, that was deep. Ryan is deep. I'm not. I am not deep. And when people say, you're not deep, like I used to get mad. That used to upset me. And now I'm just like, thank you. Thank you very, very, very much because I'm an idiot. Like I'm not deep. I am not deep at all. But at the end of the day, now listen, listen, listen. Jesus called us to become followers, disciples. But I think, I think that what we, we've really um, that we've really missed what discipleship is. D- discipleship means jeopardy and not wheel of fortune in most people's minds, okay? And so I started um, looking at some definitions of discipleship this week, and it's crazy the amount of definitions of, of discipleship and what people think discipleship is. And I want to share one with you, and this isn't in your notes. I'm going to put it up on screen. I didn't put it on your notes because I didn't want it to go online, and I didn't want people like during the thing to think that this is what we thought. Um, this is not how I define discipleship, but I think this is how most religious organizations would define discipleship. Now, a lot of us, like a lot of us, would probably agree with this definition, all right? It says this, a disciple is someone who's non-judgmental, practices a spiritual discipline, and has faith that can move mountains. Would you not agree that this is a pretty overall good definition of what most religious organizations will call discipleship, yes or no? It's okay to say yes. Yes, it is. Now, according to this definition, the actual disciples weren't good disciples. See, when we set higher standards for discipleship than Jesus set for discipleship, we have strayed from relationship into religion. And remember, we said this last series, relationship brings life, religion brings death every time. You say, well, Ron, I don't know if I agree with that. Cool. I got a few verses I want to read with you. And we're going to look at these, and we're going to walk through that definition, all right? Let, let's talk about, put, put that back up on the screen, the, um, the non-judgmental part, right? A disciple is someone who is non-judgmental. True disciples, non-judgmental. Oh, this story that I'm going to show you doesn't appear in a lot of kids' Bibles. Um, most people skip right over it, but it's in the Gospels, and it's in there for a reason. So let's just read it, because I think it's great. I think it's awesome. I think it really drives home this point. Luke chapter 9, verse 51. As the time drew near for him, meaning this is Jesus, 
As the time drew near for him to ascend to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. He sent messengers ahead to a Samaritan village to prepare for his arrival. But the people of the village did not welcome Jesus because he was on his way to Jerusalem. When James and John, now James and John are like the inner circle. They're like the associate pastors, all right? You don't get any closer to Jesus than James and John. Super important to know. When James and John saw this, they said to Jesus, Lord, should we call down fire from heaven to burn them up? Hold up for a minute. <laughs> Let's just kind of walk through this story really slow, like we're on Wheel of Fortune. All right? Let's just kind of really look at it. What are James and John asking Jesus to do? Hey, Jesus, hey, we got an idea. <laughs> they didn't accept you? Let's kill them all. Like everybody. Seriously, Jesus. Men, women, children, dogs, cats, especially the cats. Let's kill them twice. Let's just, let's, just, let's just kill everybody. What? Have you ever lost your temper? Yes or no? Yes, right? And when you lose your temper, have you ever been around somebody, they're like, oh, you're just so unchristlike? Well, so are James and John. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, like, have you ever wanted to call down fire on, I don't know, say, traffic? You ever wanted to do, sometimes in traffic, I love to say, God, just Prius is driving me nuts. Boom, right? Can we all agree? <laughs> this is not loving one another. Can we all agree? This is not non-judgmental. Now, I'm not offering up excuses. Please don't leave here today. It's like Pastor Ryan said, I can hate people because James and John did. No, 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 no. I'm just showing you that some of us spiritually are further along than other people think we are, and some of us, man, we just haven't reached there yet. How, how about this next part of the definition? Can you put that back up on the screen? How, how, about, how about the spiritual disciplines? Practices the spiritual disciplines disciplines. If you're a disciple, you should know the spiritual disciplines and be practicing them, right? It's just fascinating to me when you look at Luke 11.1. 1. Look at this. Once Jesus was in a certain place praying, praying, prayer, right? We'd all agree, great spiritual discipline. Yes or no? Yes. Something the disciples should have down. Yes or no? Yes. Great. As he finished, one of the disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to what? Pray. Now, hold up. You're a disciple. You're a disciple. And you don't know how to pray? Dude, just get out. Just, just leave. Even the disciples, don't miss this. Even the disciples weren't sure how to pray. And so if you're here today and you feel like you're not as good as, at certain spiritual disciplines as other people, it doesn't mean you don't love Jesus. It just means different people connect with Jesus in different ways. Now, some people in this room, you are prayer warriors. You pray, and stuff happens. Some people journal. Some people read their Bible. Some people listen to worship music. And I've said this over and over and over again, and I'm going to keep saying it. Figure out what sets your heart on fire for Jesus. What is it? What is it that sets your heart on fire for Jesus? Figure that out and just do that a lot, right? The spiritual disciplines. Or how about this one? Put that definition back up there one more time. This one's great. <laughs> Has the faith that can move mountains. Faith that can move mountains. H have you ever felt like you lacked faith? H have you? H have you ever prayed for something like you really prayed for it? And, and then it happened and you were shocked? That happened? Has that ever happened? 
That happened to me this week. I prayed for something. I prayed and prayed and prayed. And when it happened, I couldn't believe that it happened. And I was telling some people about it, and they were like, oh, you just lack faith. Probably. (laughs) Probably I do. Sometimes. Like, I I lack faith. I just do. And so do all of us. But but this is where, look at this, Luke chapter 17, verse 5. The apostles said to the Lord, show us how to increase our faith. So even the disciples, even the apostles had, had no idea how to increase their faith. And so if you feel like you're lacking in the faith category, it doesn't mean you're a bad follower of Jesus. It just means you're a human. And all of us need to learn how to pray this prayer. Lord, show me how to increase our faith. Amen. Like that would be great. Lord, show us how to increase our faith. Amen. I'm pretty sure he will. I want this to be a place where we can all take our next step. By the way, everybody in this room, everybody watching online, everybody in Crescent, everybody at St. Greg's, you have a next step in your walk with God, every one of us, including me. And I, and I want this to be a place where you're able to figure out what that is and take it in his time, not ours. Number three, I want this to be a place where we can move from good to great, where we can move from good to great. Yes, as a church, but as individuals too, Move from good to great. And that happens as we literally begin to see and observe and serve the needs of other people. Um, We talked about this a bunch last week, so I'm not going to get into it huge today. But something happens in our lives when we actually serve one another. It, it, It really does. Jesus says this in Matthew 20, verse 26. Whoever wants to become great, and that's all of us. Right, That's all of us. Nobody woke up with a vision for your life this morning and said, oh, I want to suck. Like, n- nobody woke up with that. All right? N- nobody. Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And so here at Central, we've got this opportunity every single week for people to step in and serve. And, and listen, I'm going to constantly push this challenge out there. You have to decide. You, as individuals, you have to decide, is this going to be a place where you just show up and listen to Ryan preach, or is this going to be a place that you're going to plug into? If this is a place that you're going to plug into, I want to invite you to serve other people. Not because we need volunteers, but so that you can take another step in your walk with Jesus. You say, I don't know what to do. I don't know enough, neither do I, and, and I'm the pastor. So growth track, right, growth track, it's a class. It's about two and a half, three hours long on a Sunday afternoon. We feed you, it, it's great. You sign up, you come in, we go through this whole idea of serving. We talk about the church, we talk about what the church is, um, we talk about gifts and talents and all of those things, all right? Th- this is where we figure out serving. This is where we figure out where do I start. This is where we figure out all of those different things. This is where we get on track with growth. Um, We're going to announce when it'll be starting back up. It'll be starting back up soon. We do it once a month. Um, But if you're interested in it, send us an email, info at yourcentralchurch.com. Just say, I want to sign up for growth growth track. Or go to the welcome desk after this service and tell them, I want to go through growth track. We'll write your name down. We'll get you hooked up with when we're starting it. Listen, in order to have a high-level church experience every week where we connect people to Jesus and each other, we need volunteers. 
volunteers make a difference. And let me just say it like this. I don't want this to be a place where you just attend. I, I, just, I just don't. Listen, I, I'm not that great to listen to. I, I'm not. And, and if you're coming just for that, I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand it. I want this to be a place where you feel like you can really, really, really belong. And listen, li- listen, you will feel more like you belong when you volunteer. You really will. You really will. Well, Ryan, there's nothing I can do in the church. There's absolutely nothing I can do. Sign up for Growth Track and let's figure it out. Probably there is. Probably there's about 18 different things you can do. For those of you who do volunteer every week, I do. Again, just like last week, I want to say thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for working with the kids. Thank you for working with the babies. Thank you for being on the prayer team, serving on the security team, serving as greeters. We would not be here today without you. And so thank you, thank you, thank you. Number four, (laughs) I want this to be a place where we can see a return on our investment. I do. I do. I, I, I want this to be a place, seriously, where we literally see a return on our investment. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. You're going to start talking about giving. <laughs> You're so smart. <laughs> you must play Jeopardy. Um, I am, because it's all over the Bible. It really is. But I'm going to talk about it a little bit different way. <laughs> Look at the Apostle Paul writes, 2 Corinthians verse 9, um, or 2 Corinthians 9 verse 6. Remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. Now, that's true, right? We know that. We live in an agricultural community. We understand that. Now, I know televangelists have taken that verse, and they've ripped it to shreds, all right? That's not what I'm trying to do today, all right? I'm not going to say, I think everybody needs to sow a seed. I don't know what that seed, oh, hold on, hold on. God is telling me. God's giving me a number. Hold on. It's $1,000, a $1,000 seed, and God will bring that tent. Shut up, all right? That, like, that stuff is just dumb, all right? That's not what I'm doing. But this is what Paul says, and, and I love this. He says this. He says, you must each decide in your heart how much to give. Stop. Notice Paul did not say you must decide whether or not to give. Like, this is not an option. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, Paul says you must Each decide in your own heart how much to give. And then he says this, and don't give reluctantly. Now, I agree with that. Like, people are like, fine, I'll just write a check. Hold on, calm down, Cletus. You don't have to, we don't want it like that, right? It's not what we want. Don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. Have you ever been pressured to give? Have you? I have. I remember being at the concert. Took a bunch of my daughter's friends. Christian concerts, man, they love to have love offerings. They come out and they start talking, talking about the offering. I'm not making this up. Talking about offering for 45 minutes. I was like, dear God, I'll just give just to shut you up. Like if you just shut up, like I will just give you everything that I have. And so I reached in my pocket and I pulled out and I only had $5. That's it. Like I had a $5 bill. And he said, this is a true story. I didn't have that thing out of my pocket for more than 20 seconds. He said, some of y'all just reached in your pocket, got out a $5 bill. If that's what you did, put it back. We don't want fives. We want 20s. So I just put it back in my pocket. I was like, you just lost all $5, dog. Like, I, I did. I don't want to do that here. I don't, I don't ever, ever, ever want to do that. But 
I want this to be a place where we can all see a return on our investment. Because this verse says, and don't give reluctantly in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. I want you to be cheerful about the fact that we're going to reach as many people as possible. I want you to be cheerful understanding that every penny that comes into this place, we put back into reaching people for the kingdom of God. And I want you to have a part in that. Because look at how Paul finishes this. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. I know that this is 150 billion times true in my life. It it just is. And so I'm just talking about when it comes to your finances, I want this to be a place where you can feel like that you're comfortable investing in it financially. Last but not least, um, I want this to be a place where you understand that you are our why. That you are the reason that we do church every single week. And, and I think that your notes are going to say a place where we value you more than a stance. Um, I'm not going to get into this a ton today because in week number four, week number five, we're, we're going to talk about this a lot in detail. But, but let me say this today. Um, for some of you, um, and I get this, it's a miracle that you're here because you said at some point in your life, You'd never go back to church. And you said that because of the way that they treated somebody that you loved, the way that they treated your divorced mom, or the way that they treated your gay brother or whatever. Some people say, well, Ryan, what's our stance on blank? Hold up. The only reason, the only reason you're asking what our stance is is because you have a stance that you want us to take. My stance is this. People are created in the image of God. They are. People are created in the image of God. I don't care who they vote for. I don't care what they look like. I don't care what their preferences are. Jesus Christ died on the cross for them. And if he can value them, then this church can value them, and this church will value them. That's what we do. That's who we are. That's who we're going to continue to be. You'd be amazed at the emails that I've gotten. Ryan, um, can I come to your church? Let me tell you a little bit about my story. Yes, yes, come, come, come. But, but you don't, but people are, who cares? Who cares? You come, you meet Jesus, you let Jesus speak into your life. You don't need anybody else speaking in your life. You let Jesus do it. I, I know a lot of people who walk away from church because of religion, but I don't know anybody who's walked away from church because of Jesus. Jesus said in, in John chapter 13, verse 34, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Now he's sitting, talking to the 12 apostles And these 12 couldn't have been any more different. And he says, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. How did he love them? Unconditionally. They were were idiots, all of them. They were sinners. They messed up. For three years, God walked with them. And he loved them unconditionally. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Not your doctrinal statements. Not what you put on social media about how much you enjoyed your time with the Lord this morning. Your love for other people. Even the people that you don't agree with. Your love for other people. Do you know what Jesus has called us to do? He's called us to step into situations. And love people as they are. Doesn't matter how they look. 
It doesn't matter how they appear. doesn't matter what they're into. We're called, church, to love them as they are. And I get it, and I understand. Sometimes that's hard. Sometimes that's difficult. Sometimes I don't want to do it. But that's who Jesus has called us to be. At the end of the day, let, let, let me say this, and then I'm done. I don't want to be your police chief. I don't want to be your mayor. I don't want to be your referee. I, I don't even want to be your coach. I want to be your pastor. I, I, I do. And I just want to try my best to model for you how to follow Jesus one step at a time. Listen, I'm not perfect. I'm not. I, I will screw it up a bunch. But when I screw up, I promise you I will get back up. And so will you, because I'll be right there with you to help you get back up. All that happens through us doing a thing called surrender. Just saying, Jesus, you know what? I just surrender. I surrender my life to you. Now, maybe this morning you're a Christian and you've given your life to Jesus. At some point, you, you've fallen down or you've fallen away. Maybe you've turned away. Maybe you've sprinted away. I don't, I don't know. You've got a reason. I get it. I understand. But I'm just wondering today. Could today be a day where you say, you know what, Jesus, I'm going to surrender. I'm going to take my next step. Please show me what my next step is. I want to take it. Help me to take it. I surrender. Maybe you're here. Maybe you've never given your life to Jesus. Maybe today is the day where you need to say, I'm tired of running. I'm tired of fighting. Today I surrender all of me for all of you. T today is the day that you can make things right. So, those are just some things I wanted to share with you um, that I think that are important with who we are as a church, who we are as a church family, and where we really feel that God is taking us. And my prayer is that these are things that you can buy into um, as we seek to connect people to Jesus and each other and reach a lost and broken world with the gospel. Because really, 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 really understand that Jesus Christ is the hope of the world. And we will always, always, always celebrate that in this church. Let's pray.